Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into College Golf Talk. Uh, Brentley Romine here. I am flying semi solo. My co host, cohort, partner in crime, Steve Burkowski. He is not here this week. And yes, we did not record last week as well. Burko was in St. Andrews enjoying. Life at the Rusacks. I tried to get Lance Ringler from Golf Week, but he was in Los Angeles. Uh, interesting. Quick aside, his son dresses up as Michael Myers, the horror character, and actually has the number one TikTok account and one of the top Instagram accounts. So Lance goes with him every now and then to do videos with other people that dress up as other horror characters. So um, shout out Landon Ringler. Um, but Burko again this week, he is hanging out with his mom, spending some family time. Family always comes first here on College Golf Talk. But I couldn't leave you guys hanging for two straight weeks. So I am bringing on a special um, special co- co-host. Speaking of Los Angeles, uh, the USC women's golf coach, Justin Silverstein. He's been on before. Um, he almost took either my job or Burko's job. He did a great job. So I figured I'd invite him back to kind of run the show. We're going to have one of his players on as well, uh, ask a few questions and, uh, have some fun. So enough of me talking, you can tell I don't host that much. Uh, but Justin, thanks for coming on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thanks Brentley. I appreciate it. Fired up to be back. Uh, got some big shoes to fill. Burko, legend, was calling East Lake Cup for us this week. So happy to be here. Uh, coming off a good fall season, ready to recap it a little bit and chop it up. I think Burko's been doing this for over 20 years. I'll, I'll have to, he'll, he'll probably correct me next week, but he doesn't look a day over about 40. So I can just imagine like a 10 year old Burko with a microphone and maybe a notepad you know, following around the the Buddy Alexanders and the all the old coaching legends, the the Dan Brookses, who breaking news, five year contract extension, staying around in in Durham. So uh, Duke uh, has Dan Brooks. The is 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 he the Coach K of? Uh, is, is that an apt comparison? Maybe the Coach K of of women's college golf. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, far and away, you know, the most national championships, um, 
number of wins. I mean, he's just shattered every record. Um, he's an institution, and he's still going, uh, recruiting at a really high level. Uh, he's got a ton of energy. He relates really well to his players still. He's done a great job. Uh, so happy to hear he's sticking around to make my job much more difficult for the next five years. I appreciate that. Um, well, we always enjoy competing against him. They've been a longtime rival of ours, and, and I love Dan. He's been great to me in my, my young career. Now it's it's late on a Thursday night, um, earlier for you guys on the West Coast, but it's about 8 p.m. So um, we will get Catherine on here shortly, um, trying to catch a the, the Magic game tonight. We got the NFL tonight. Um, do, do you go to many Lakers games in uh, L.A.? Because my Magic were just on a a little. I feel like L.A. is the theme of the episode so far. They they went a nice little 0 and two. Uh, Lakers and Clippers but do, do you go to many games and are you a Lakers guy or a Clippers guy uh, I'm a Lakers fan uh, probably about as big of a Lakers fan as you'll ever find I don't miss a game uh, when we're on the road I'll record them uh, and I'll watch them when I get back or watch them on my laptop when we get back to the room oh yeah big time psycho uh, big win last night overtime win over the Clippers broken 11 game losing streak to, to that team that doesn't matter uh, so it was good. Uh, big Lakers fan. I go to a handful of games a year. Uh, family goes every Christmas. Uh, it's kind of been a tradition of ours, which is fun. So you have courtside seats right next to Jack Nicholson, right? Is that the is that the play? Yeah, that's been the play forever. And then hopefully just moving down so I can eventually coach the team, uh, which is my <laughs> lifelong dream. So that'd be great. Well, if 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 Amari Avery is is your LeBron, I would think our our guest Catherine Park uh, is your AD. Um, so Catherine, uh, let's, let's unmute you and, uh, congrats on, uh, is, is, is this your first time? I, I know it's your first time on college golf talk, but is this your first time on a podcast? Yes, this is my first time on a podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. No, no pressure. I, Justin, have, have you been coaching her up at all or, or is she, I, she, she's in your office for those, it, we will not have a video medium this week, but she's sitting in your office in the dungeon as I, I like to call it in USC. Um, but did you coach her up at all? Or? No, I don't need to. She's a uh, member of our very prestigious business school at USC. Uh, so she's getting much, much better uh, tips from them than she ever would get from me on this stuff. So she's been trained for a year and a half on this and, and she's ready to go. All right. So you're, you're definitely way smarter than me, Catherine. Uh, l- let's just start out. Uh, background in the game, Justin's nodding his head, but background in the game, you're, you're from California, from Irvine. How, how do you get started in golf? Well, my sister played golf and I just remember like going out and just hitting golf balls next to her. And my parents just one day asked me that I have to choose a sport. <laughs> Same as like my siblings did. So I like golf because like my, I loved my sister and I loved following her. And just picked it up from there. And then it was like something I did with my sister every day as like bonding time with my dad. And here I am now. <laughs> what what was the other sport you, you had to choose between if, if you wouldn't have picked golf? My dad wanted me to do tennis. But then my mom said she didn't want me to because I'll be out in the sun too much. Which is ironic because golf is also out in the sun. <laughs> Well, I you you do get to have an umbrella on your push cart. Do, do you do you employ that often? Do you do you go um, with the I'm, umbrella? I, right now, I've been carrying, so I don't usually push. So I'm All just right, like good, good answer. Yeah. You're not like that that school up to the north, uh, outside of Palo Alto that that we won't name. Um, 
So it, it's interesting that you said tennis because could you just explain your family's background that they have a, a very athletic background, but maybe not the the type of sports uh, that you or I may may play all the time. Yes, uh, my dad did judo and my mom did archery. And my mom was the first woman in Korea to win a gold medal in the 1984 LA Olympics. And my dad won the Asian Games in judo. Don't know what year. I always forget his, but I always remember my mom's. <laughs> what's the What's the trophy room like in your house? Oh, it is um quite there. There's a gold medal <laughs> and there's <laughs> right there in display with other tons of other medals, but it's kind of funny because my dad actually has more medals than my mom. And so it's like mostly like all my dad's. And then there's just my mom's precious gold medal right there in the middle. Oh, yeah. It's got to be in the middle with a, probably a big uh, recessed light above it just shining down. Oh, it's on just, it. yeah, just right there. Yeah. So are are you going to add, you know, for those who don't know, you, you just had a your first college win about a week and a half ago at Stanford. Is that trophy going to go in that or is that going to go in your dorm room or your apartment or? Right now it's at home. I brought it home, but I actually don't know where it is at home. Cause I just left it on the kitchen Island and just dipped. <laughs> I went back to my LA home after just dropping it off at home. <laughs> so maybe she put it somewhere. So, so you grew up in, in Irvine. Um, you were very close with Roseang who is all everything superstar Solheim Cup already LPGA winner already tell us about how that relationship came about uh came about and how close are you guys now well like it was funny because like me and Rose we practiced at the same golf course but we never talked and then just one day Rose's old coach like I guess told her about my sister and then she just turned around to me on the chipping green just asked if my sister was an LPGA pro and my answer, like I always said, it was, I don't know. <laughs> and from there, she's like, how do you not know what your sister does? I'm like, I actually, I don't know. And then from there, like, we just got really close. We had so much in common. She was one year older than me. And we were always there day and night, same hours, always saw each other. So, like, we just gradually became close. And then we started playing the same tournaments. And then that relationship just formed into something we have right now, which is something I love talk to her like other every other week because she's always traveling now and just we just sent her each other messages like at Stanford I saw her picture on the Stanford dining like table and I just said I'm meeting breakfast with you for your picture <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what's your best rose story like what's a story because we always hear about how how great she is and all this what, what's your best story maybe peeling back the curtain. Um, it doesn't even have to be about golf. That maybe sums up uh, maybe the type of type of personality she is. Um, <laughs> we played a round of golf for the first time, 18 holes. And my dad used to like pack me a big like lunchbox full of water and like all this like hydration and like a tube of golf balls into my golf bag, which really made my golf bag heavy. But we went to the course and me and Rose were playing nine in the cart. Her dad was driving and her dad had to go pick up her brother. So that means like I had to carry my bag, she had to carry her bag. And then we had this ice box that was so heavy. And I was complaining that I can't 
play the back nine because the back nine at Oak Creek is much more hillier. And she was like, I'll carry it. So we were like going back and forth as who was carrying the icebox because my bag was just so heavy. And we were just like just traveling through the back nine, trooping through, trying to make it out alive. So the the more you eat what's inside the the lunchbox and, and the more you can pour the ice out, the lighter it gets. But were you too young to realize that or? Oh yeah, our both our minds together, we were just like, no, we're just gonna carry this. <laughs> and then hopefully we'll make it through. So yeah. I, I thought it was I thought it was really cool uh, last year at the NCAA championship. Rose obviously wins again, wins the individual title, but you were right there in contention with her um in it till the very end. Uh, but I going into that final round, I remember asking Rose to describe your game. And she basically said, quote, everything in her game is powerful. Um, now, I'm going to get Justin back on the horn here. Would you agree with that? And could you maybe contextualize what makes Catherine so great to where she's able to go out and win a tournament like Stanford? I do think when people watch Catherine initially, uh, they're like enamored with the power. Uh, the sound is off, coming off her irons, especially something that you never really hear. It's super deep in the face is the way I would describe it. It sounds a lot like Rico Hoey, who I've, I know I've compared her to Rico to you before, Brentley. Um, she just catches it on a higher groove, and it just sounds a little heavier hit than normal. Um, but when you really get into her game and watch it um, kind of day in, day out, uh, I think the the almost like simplicity of her ball striking is the best part of it. She never tries to do too much, um, and it's – a little bit like a track man golfer just tries to do the same thing over and over. It's very repeatable, which is what everybody says they try to do with their golf swing. But then when they start trying to hit iron shots, they try to do different things all the time, change windows, change, you know, spin axis. Um, Catherine's just very blessed. She hits it right out of the center of the face. Uh, but she's also blessed with the discipline to hit the same shot over and over. Um, but I do think the power is the first thing people see initially. Going back to Dan Brooks from our open, um, I was recruiting – at the Rolex Girls in Virginia. Uh, you had already committed, right? Catherine? Yeah, I was yeah you'd already committed to us at this point. Um, and Dan Brooks famously has a system where he gives players one to five dots based on just based on athleticism and power. Um, and I had another coach who I'm really close friends with, and Brentley could probably figure out who it is, that was walking with Dan, and he came over to me and he said, We just, I just saw something I've never seen before. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, I saw Dan give someone six dots. And he's like, there's only been two or three in the history that got six dots. Well, we got one on the podcast right now. So, you know, the greatest coach of all time, uh, recognized that power and that kind of sound and, and kind of the motion as well. I mean, he had a lot of respect for Howard Golfsman at the time. Um, so she's kind of got a nickname in, in our small friendship of coaches here as a six daughter. Um, so I think that pretty much tells you exactly what people think about her ball striking. Dot, the, the, the dotty pepper of, of the USC lady Trojans. Catherine, exactly. so nice. how, so Justin likes to call you like your flushers favorite flusher. Um, what, what drills do you do? What, what do you, what do you credit your ball striking acumen to? Like how, how, how have you gotten so lethal with that part of the game? I guess like with my dad, he was so like on point with my shots, especially iron. So I will like always hit 
five buckets of golf balls every day. Like in, I'll hit like three in the morning and I'll hit three at like two or three at night. And it was all, all based on like how pure I hit it. Like if I chunked it, how, how it's on the face. And it was mostly all irons. And I grew up playing blades too. So like I had to like adapt to hitting it really good because if a blade like it automatically you automatically know if it's not good or bad if it's good or bad so I had to adapt really well which means I had to hit a lot of golf balls too to adapt to that so I give credit to my dad for pushing me through especially with like yeah my irons so you you charted every single strike based on how good you thought it was did you like write it down or was it just kind of a a mental thing it was more of a mental thing because like in I guess I'm gifted, like, to me, I know if it's off the face or not for me when I hit a golf ball, if it's, like, chunked or if it's on the toe or heel, I automatically know based on my feels. So when I know something's not right, it's something I will automatically get to and work on. And until I get that correct feel that it's on the middle of the club face, I will not stop hitting golf balls. What was the difference last week at Stanford for you, um, maybe some sort of part of your game, whether it's physical or, or, or mental, what, what allowed you to finally get over that hump and win in college? It was actually, well, a year from Stanford is when I went up to Justin after my third round and says, something does not feel right in my golf game. Cause I love that golf course. It's one of my favorite golf courses to play. Cause it's laid out nicely I love like everything about the hole from tee box to start because it's a very like a like you need to drive it very well to love that golf course and that was something I was I had an advantage of and I remember going to Justin and he was telling me how my club like my swing path was out to in and I was using a drawer at that time and I was struggling at that golf course doing a draw but it was not it was not a draw it was like a pull draw and Justin was like you can either play the cut or you're gonna fix your path and at this point I was like well, I'm just going to play this cut. I will, because it's something my body naturally does. So going to Stanford, I was so excited because I knew I'm coming to, back to this golf course, like this major golf course, playing a different shot, whole new game system, how I'm looking at it. And I feel like Stanford's more of a cutter's course where how the course is laid up. And it worked out perfectly. I was just really excited to get back onto that golf course and play my just baby cuts. <laughs> with my drives and irons and it turned out perfectly the way I wanted to. <laughs> Justin, do you, do you have anything to add um, where you've seen the biggest growth in, in Catherine's game from when she, she's gotten on, onto campus until now? Yeah. I, I think switching from the draw to the cut was, was a massive change. Um, and in our testing, we saw a huge jump in our, her line drill scores. Um, the good ones got, as good as we've ever seen, uh, her line drill score average, uh, the back half of last year and this year is the best we've ever had for a full season. Um, so she's as of right now, our best iron player line wise we've ever had since she's been cutting it. Um, I think the biggest, even a bigger jump that I saw when she went to the cut was her misses, the dispersion shrunk. So her yardage control got a lot better. And being as disciplined as, and boring as she is with her iron play, that, that makes it very easy to hit a lot of iron shots close because you're just hitting the same shot over and over. Um, but Catherine's made her biggest jump uh, in, on and around the greens. Um, she's putting over a shot and a half better per round this year than last year. Um, that's four and a half shots a tournament. I mean, that's really the jump in her scoring average right there. Um, 
and she's also dedicated herself to becoming a much better chipper pitcher and bunker. Um, she made some equipment changes that, that helped uh, changing some bounces, uh, but a little technique change as well. Um, and, and she's really improved there. And I think that's kind of the next frontier for her is to continue that. I'm not sure how much better she can hit it uh, based on what we've seen. Um, maintaining that's a, you know, a huge undertaking because uh, ball striking tends to go in and out a little bit and you just want to keep it as level as possible. Um, but her putting's within the realm of tour acceptability right now. Um, and her wedge game is much improving. So I think that's where we'll see the next big jump. Um, but also I think she has a much better understanding of her golf swing right now. Um, she can self-correct. If I hand her that orange box, the track man at practice, I don't have to babysit her. Tiffany doesn't have to babysit her. We can say, hey, check your path. You know what it needs to be. Uh, um, and she's so adept at, at judging her contact. She can kind of feel when her path's getting off now. So she can self-correct a lot better. So um, she's made strides all through her game. Uh, her mental skills gone through the roof, working with our performance coach, Kevin Sperduke. Um, you know, he, the easiest comparison for Catherine right now is actually Annie Park, if you're in and around our program, because both of them, they're very similar personality-wise, but they both tend to try to get as much out of everything as they can. And Kevin saw that day one when he met with her in my office for the first time for her performance meeting. He's like, yeah, this kid's like all in. She's going to try to get as good as she can, as fast as she can. And that's what Annie was when she was here. Um, their games are quite different, uh, believe it or not, but um, attitude-wise, they're pretty similar. So you mentioned the line test. I, I feel like this has been mentioned. We had Zambri on, gosh, probably b- before COVID um, talking about it. But I, I think nowadays, because five, six years ago when I was in LA to do the four-year game when I was at Golf Week with Justin Suh, Trackman was kind of really the only way you could kind of measure that. I think there were probably a couple other systems, but now you could go to your local range and they might have top tracer or you can go to top golf. They have top tracer. You can kind of do this on your own. So could you just explain kind of what that test is? Um, and so maybe someone listening could, could maybe try to do it themselves and, and, and chart their progress. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's pretty simple. It's, 20 shots, um, six iron and nine iron. You start with a seven iron and you just ladder down and up. So you'll hit seven, eight, nine, eight, seven, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way to 20 shots. Um, and all you're doing is you're measuring, these are full swings and you're measuring how far offline each ball ends up. Um, and you take your 18 best individual scores, add them up and you get a number. Um, we do it indoors because we wanted to standardize this test. So we do it on our three foresight simulators with our foresight quads. Um, I think it's Kathy's favorite test because she's good at it. <laughs> um, and um, we have, you know, data for almost 12, uh, about 14 years now. Um, so we can tell players immediately what a good score is. Um, and it's a great way to judge uh, how you're improving with your golf swing. So if you go get a lesson and you come back and do a couple of these tests, you can see if your lesson worked or if it didn't. Um, and then how you need to adjust it. I think the, the way we utilize it as a program is to judge ball flight. It's the best way to judge someone's swing path when they're really trying to get a ball online because nobody wants to get a bad score on this test. It hurts their ego quite a bit. Um, so you can pick up patterns and then make adjustments off of them. And our performance coach, Kevin Sperduke, has a great line about these tests. He says the most important part about our tests is doing them. Like get less focus on the score and more ingrained in the process of doing them and learn something from them. Um, and, and that's where we really have seen the most growth. So pretty simple to do. I mean, you could do them on your range without any of that technology. You kind of 
can start figuring out how far like a different flag is or trees in the background are from your intended target. Um, and you can kind of standardize it that way. Uh, but I, you know, it's in the decade app. Um, Chris Zambri merged with decade at Scott Fawcett there to, to integrate his data into the decade golf program. So it's available. A lot of college programs are using it. I get calls each week uh, while we're at practice from, from teams having questions about these tests. So uh, we're just happy that stuff's out there and, and I really think it works. And there's a perfect example here of, of someone that's worked really well with. Yeah, she's 45. Is that still, is that still the record? On the women's side, and then Rico. No, her line drill score or season average is forty three. Her individual best score, what was it, Kathy? Twenty. Okay, so this is the short iron one. Twenty seven. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the long iron record, the Rico, the forty three. No, this is six to nine. This is six to nine iron. Yeah, and he got forty three on the on the big one. Yeah, yeah. Still pretty good. So, Catherine, you were just at Atlanta Athletic Club. Um, the East Lake Cup at Atlanta Athletic Club, which might be the most confusing thing of the fall season. Um, but I'm interested, very excited to see the work that Andrew Green's going to do at East Lake. Um, can you can you sum up uh, what it was like playing in that tournament? It's it's kind of a it's it's exempt days by the NCAA. It's almost kind of a reward for making it to the NCAA championship the year before. Um, but how, how was the week? What, what was it like playing on TV again? What was it like playing kind of an 18 hole sprint match play? I, I guess maybe to stop my rambling, but what, what will you take away from, from this, these past few days? Well, that week was amazing. Like that week was amazing. First that that foundation is amazing and they're so supportive. Everyone out there was on your side they were always congratulating us and it was the greatest environment we could have been in and it was very rewarding because it was like one of the best four college schools coming together and playing another tournament and it was just so fun it was just cold (laughs) that's all but yeah it was a great great golf course great and then I Atlantic Club is great but I hope next year we can play East Lake. Yeah, that's that's always the goal, right? If if you're playing East Lake, you you did something right the year before. So it was cold. Are are you the type of person that perhaps maybe forgets to to pack something that you need, like you forgot like your your cold weather gear, or or, or are you pretty organized? And and maybe maybe Justin can can set the record straight. Okay, so like <laughs> I usually pack two days before we leave but I'm like a very light packer so I I think of rational things of what I will need and will not need but I made sure to pack for Eastlake because I was warned because at Stanford I did not pack that well on hole six I realized I only brought one glove and I dropped it on the street and we had to actually sorry hole one and we had to finesse it out of the trees (laughs) with no gloves and the second shot didn't work well and then the third shot in the fairway with a six iron and no glove and sweaty hands did not turn out so well either but I got the greatest up and down of that entire week so (laughs) yeah but now I am very prepared I I pack my rain gear rain glove and I have four gloves in my golf bag now in case I lose one every other (laughs) hole What's what's this scene like, Justin? Are are you are you getting radioed in to go buy her a glove and bring her a glove, or or did 
did what was she on her own? Did she have to play the whole round like that? Well, fortunately or unfortunately, probably for Catherine, I was I've been with her pretty much every hole since uh, Silverado last year. Silverado, um, yeah. so I was right there with her, and and fortunately for me, her mom was there. Um, so her mom, being the great athlete she was, just took off um, in, a, <laughs> back, in a fast back across the street, brisk the walk. Back across the street, got it, got a ride from a volunteer, got it up to Catherine right after she made about a 12-footer for par on a very reachable, easy par five. Um, and I learned a little something about Catherine's mom uh, when she gave Catherine her glove back. I couldn't understand what she said to Catherine because it was in Korean, but I got the tone of what was said, and her mom was very disappointed. She had to work up a sweat to go get the glove. So <laughs> I know Catherine – she will bring a dozen gloves to tournaments from now on. And I'm going to tell a quick story before we got to let her go. Catherine's made one mistake at USC. One. She was late to practice one time. Mr. Alarm. And for the next two months, she showed up to practice in Palos Verdes. So, you know, we're driving about 25, 30 minutes practice, 45 minutes early every day. So much so that Tiffany, who's like basically her new older sister, and I had to grab her after practice and be like, we're going to have to penalize you for getting to practice too early now. Like if you keep getting here this early and costing yourself sleep, we're going to have to penalize you and send you home. So um, she's a great kid. She, uh, typical of her to overcorrect if she feels upset at something. So um, no surprise, she packed about a half dozen gloves for Eastland. Well, Catherine, before I let you go, um, you've been so gracious with your time. I, I have to ask interests outside of golf. What, tomorrow's friday let's just say you don't have to be at practice what are you doing what's your typical day that does not include golf or school in los angeles i will wake up in my bed and probably stay in my (laughs) i'll maybe go down to my cvs below and get an ice cream and come right back up into my bed wait hold on oh okay like a i i was almost I was like, CVS has ice cream, but no, but in the actual freezer, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe they had a uh, this was a special CVS. They kind of had like a Froyo, you know, ice cream man, like where they're scooping the gelato out for you. But anyways, yeah. it's like, <laughs> well, Catherine. Uh, on on that note, um, go get some ice cream. Uh, thank you and enjoy your winter, and we'll see you. Palos Verdes, right? That's the first event of the spring? Yes, yes. Yep. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was a great time talking. Awesome. Catherine Park, USC, Stanford Intercollegiate Champion, Flusher, and Ice Cream Aficionado, and never misses her alarm, except for once. All right, Justin, that that was pretty fun. I, I, I remember talking to Catherine at the NCAA is that was the first time I had met her and very affable personality, very funny, always has a smile on her face. Pretty easy to coach, coach kids like that. (laughs) She's very consistent. I think it's probably her best trait as a person. Uh, She's shows up the same attitude every day, no matter what's going on. If she's bogged down in school, if she's having a tough time socially, which everyone in the world does from time to time, uh, you know, it's 7 a.m. Monday to Friday. We know exactly what we're getting every day. So 
parents did a wonderful job I mean, clearly with their resumes they have a ton of discipline uh, and they instilled that in her she's she's a great kid a great teammate um, I think it's you know no shock that we made our deepest match play run with with that personality on our roster because she is able to keep things loose but when it's time to go she's ready to go yeah so we, we talked a lot about the Stanford event um, last week or week and a half ago that was a big event not only for for her, but for this program, you guys went by seven over Northwestern and you do it shorthanded. Amari Avery, Christine Wang, probably what you're at, at least maybe two of your top three or four players on the roster, maybe just scoring average wise this season results wise. How were you able to get the job done missing two players of that caliber? Yeah. I mean, statistically it's been our one, one and three uh, for the for the season so far. Um, it's a golf course we're super familiar with. Uh, we've we've had a bunch of success up there in regular season and postseason events. Um, you know, the AJJ added a junior tournament there, a high level junior tournament. So a lot of our incomers have played that golf course before. And we had two freshmen in the lineup. Bailey had played there a long time ago, uh, and Francis had played the Fortinet recently. So you know, they the familiarity with that place helps us a bunch. Um, but also just the depth we built uh, helps us. Um, we didn't really, you know, some teams miss players and they talk about, you know, needing to make up ground. Like, well, no, it's kind of just next man up here. Uh, we know Amari's really good. She ran 14th in the world. And Christine's been great for us. But um, Francis was a big-time recruit, and we spent a lot of time and resources for trying to bring her into this program. And same with Bailey. Um, so uh, we did tell them before, you know, we thought with this group we had, because we did lose quite a bit of distance off the tee with Amari and Christine, who's our longest and third longest player. Um, that we're going to play this golf course a little differently than we had in the past. Uh, and this, this tournament was going to be one in the margins for us. We weren't going to be able to kind of bomb and gouge our way around there. So we did, you know, get it and play on the par fives, give ourselves as many short iron and wedge attempts as possible. And they just did a great job executing. I'm so proud of them. Uh, Francis in her first college event, uh, counted for us in the first and third round, put up a monster third round for us in, in some pretty nasty conditions. And then Bailey gets her first top 10 in college, and, and that kid's going to be a, a, a huge asset for us. She's going to be a multiple-time All-American at this program. Um, and she's kind of just getting her feet wet. Uh, so it was a really good week. Uh, good to get some players some run. Uh, but that event was amazing. I, you know, I, I, I would like to touch on the play for her aspect of that event that, that Ann Walker and her team were able to, to do. Um, with Dr. Condoleezza Rice, when we raised over $285,000 for breast cancer research yeah. that week, just this lowly college golf event up in Palo Alto, uh, raised over a quarter million dollars. So just unbelievable work by all the universities. Um, you know, Coach Mulfer up Washington uh, did a great job getting their uh, their fan base to donate a bunch, and, and she donated personally a lot of money to Coach McDaniels. for birdie, Mary Lou. Way to go. What a superstar. She's the best. Um, but just for Coach Walker to organize this, I mean, we all know how busy she is running that, that program. Um, but to pull it off is it, nothing short of amazing. So it was an awesome week. Uh, we got to see Coach McDaniel up there at the trophy ceremony. It's great to to see her and listen to her talk. And um, she, you know, she's fighting this thing. She's got she's got a little bit more to go, but she was in great spirits and she looked pretty good and was doing pretty well. So uh, we were happy that she was able to come watch her team play that final round. And and Cal played great this week. They capped off a great fall season for them. Um, you know, finished T3 uh, with Katie Mitchell back as kind of the sub coach while Coach McDaniel was out. So it was great for her to see them have a great finish as well. Yeah, Nancy McDaniel, 
battling cancer for the for the second time. Beth Ann Nichols from Golf Week wrote a great story, so um, check that out. Yeah, Cal climbed six spots on the leaderboard, ties Stanford, ties the host. You guys clipped the Cardinal by eleven. Kind of have kind of have their number uh, of late. If we go back these last six months or so. I realized last year Stanford had the ace in the hole. They had the eraser rose. Now that she's not there and you can be as impartial or as partial as, 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 as possible. Where, where do you see kind of the gap now? If last season we're talking about Stanford, at least during the regular season, a pretty sizable gap, maybe between them, Wake you could probably put Wake Forest there, but the rest of college golf, now, where does Stanford kind of slot in at, at, at this point amongst the best teams in the country? They're right there. Um, you know, I I was talking to G, uh, the head coach of Texas A&M this week. We spent some time together at Eastlake. Um, you know, I think as of right now, it looks like Wake's kind of in that, that top spot and have separated themselves a little bit, I think, uh, from the rest of us. Um, but that second group, it's really tight. There's a lot of really, really good teams there. And, and uh, we've talked about this, Brentley, but this time of year in college golf on the women's side, especially it's pretty difficult to get a gauge of where everybody's at. Um, we had two players at Q school. We've got players at the world AM. Uh, we've got players at the Pan Am games, um, missing East Lake cup. So it, it's tough, but, um, I think just with the record wake has in monster events over the past nine months, um, been very consistent performers and put up their best at the best events. I think they've separated themselves, but Stanford's reloaded. Uh, they're super strong. Uh, mega seems to have stepped up a little bit and it's kind of filling those shoes. Sadie continues to get better. Uh, they've done a great the job. Freshman they have is, is pretty dang good too. Paula Martin, San Pedro. She's super impressive. Catherine played with her one round up there, um, and I was walking with that group, and she's very tidy. Um, her game reminds me a little bit of Aliyah Abdogani, who we had, but maybe a little higher-level ball striker. But short game's unbelievable, unbelievable putter. Um, very, very advanced golfer. She looks like a professional golfer playing college golf. So um, no surprise they recruited as high of a level as anyone in the country, and Ann does it as well as anyone in the country. So they'll be right there. Uh, at the end of the year, we know they will. And, and um, I think that group of really good teams has grown this year as it continues to do every year in women's college golf. So I think the end of the year uh, could have a lot of fireworks. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You you mentioned Q School. I think it was eight college players who advanced had a second stage, kind of the notables, Ingrid Lindblad, um, Jenny Park. I, I, prob- I probably should have done a little bit more research on this. I, th- there's a tweet out there. I did tweet it out. It's just been, it's been a while. It's late, but Ingrid, uh, definitely one of those players. She medals. She's going to come back. It's actually different this year because I think for the first time, we're actually having the vast majority of players defer their status with this new setup to where you can get ups and tour status. But if you want to play Q series, you got to turn pro. I think Savannah uh, Grewal from Clemson, she's the only player that I know of that has played her last college event. Um, she actually played one, she played one after second stage. Now she's going to turn pro in her Q series. So um, Oregon had two players, two players out. They finish 11th. Auburn T12, but they're going to get a really great player in January in Anna Davis. Texas is eighth. Um, and then you got it in 19th, uh, the Georgia Brewdogs, um, Josh Brewer's bunch. 
who are going to get Savannah Debach from Belgium, and they always seem to um, battle the the roller coaster of the regular season before winning a regional and showing up in the postseason. So of those teams that I just mentioned, Oregon, Auburn, uh, Georgia Brewdogs, Texas, who do you think shows up in January and this spring and is the best of that bunch? It wouldn't shock me if Oregon, and we're talking again in March, if Oregon's got a one or a two next to their name, uh, yeah. ranking-wise. I think what he's built, what Derek Radley's built, uh, depth-wise with that roster, um, Kiara Romero came out of the gates as hot as can be. She's, she's a monster, uh, great kid, great golfer. But just the culture he's built there, um, that team's very tight-knit. They play really hard for one another. Um, he's done a wonderful job just acquiring tons of talent. All right, moving on to the Eastlake Cup. Uh, Wake Forest gets the job done on the women's side. Another win for Kim Llewellyn and Ryan Potter there. North Carolina gets it done on the men's side. Cypress Point, uh, another men's event, match play event. They played two rounds of team match play, foursomes, four ball. They had a singles day there. It says Arizona State won. They beat Texas in a tiebreaker without Preston Summerhays, but we all know, Justin, that it doesn't really matter who wins that event. I think that event, and they only have it every three or four years, it's just all about getting to play Cyprus and, and having that experience as a team. Yes. Um, have you played Cyprus before? I have, and I that was uh, when I was working for Coach Zambri at USC, that was our first team win up there, was uh, trotting around that place with Sean Crocker. So, that was some of my fondest memories of coaching college golf. That place is it's it's the best. It's insane. And speaking of Cyprus, Walker Cup 2025. And speaking of Walker Cup, a USGA staple, one of my favorite events to cover. I feel like I have like seven favorite events to cover. Um, but <laughs> Walker Cup, it, it doesn't stink with the type of courses we get to go to in St. Andrews this year. Royal Liverpool before that, my first one at LACC, um, home of Stuart Hegestad, um, and Cypress Point and La Hinch, and it's probably going to go on and on and on. But speaking of the USGA, Chris Zambri, about a month, a month and a half ago, announced as the first head coach of the U.S. national development team. Uncharted territory for this country. It could be a real game changer, I think. There's still a lot of details I know that need to be worked out, and there's a lot of unknown with it. But the head coach part is out of the way. Zambri is your mentor. He was in your wedding, um, and you worked hand-in-hand with him at USC for many, many years. You know him better than just about anybody. Knowing the type of coach he is, the type of person he is, what, where does he take this position and what kind of impact can he have on that next generation and the generations to come of golf talent in this country? You have to imagine this was an insanely difficult hire for the USGA to make because they never made it before. It's a brand new position. Um, so it was going to be highly controversial, probably whoever they hired. But I've talked to a lot of people and I think you have as well. And this has been unanimous that everybody's like, this is as good of a guy for this job as they could have found. Um, 
I think his passion for the game is unmatched. Uh, he's done it as the highest level in college golf, and he's developed a system that's proven to work on both the men's side and women's side. And, and I spoke to the USGA as one of his references, um, and they called me to ask how they how I thought this system would work in women's golf. And I'm like, well, check our record because it's exactly what we're doing. Um, so it works really well. This is his dream job. Me and him have talked about this in the office a thousand times about how cool it could be to do this if this position ever got created. Um, so I know him and his wife, Kim, are super fired up for it. Um, he's been working so hard because he's been the associate head coach at Pepperdine up until yesterday um, and now full time with the development team. Uh, so he's been double, you know, double tasking or double tasked here. Um, but he's really ready for this. His system's ready for this. Um, he's excited to, to get some players in uh, and get to work with them, uh, but also just surround himself with really great golf minds. And that's what the USGA is going to allow him to do. They're putting together their, their board, uh, which can you know, be a handful of people that help advise uh, the national team. Um, and he's going to get some, some data people, some golf swing people, some other college golf coaches. Um, and it's going to be really collaborative. And that's what he's really good at. Um, I think people see our system and think we're kind of inundated with it. And we just kind of do that. Uh, no, we kind of reach out with this. We, we try to tweak it from year to year. Um, we've talked to Mark Brody about some of the stuff. Scott Fawcett obviously is heavily involved. So this can be a really collaborative effort to make this the best team in the world. And I, I think he's the best person in the world to lead this U.S. team. Where does this fit with kind of the institutions that are already in place? You know, the AJGA individual instructors um we know a lot of the top amateurs have really high profile instructors that coach on the pga tour as well where does where does this team where does zambri um where does that fit in with what we already have i i think it's seamless from the way he coached in college which was all of his players had swing instructors just like all of ours do um and he's just a golf coach who's helping manage their games he's trying to test and see what they're great at so the player or the instructor doesn't change it, uh, see what inevitably they're not great at and, and find ways to improve it, whether it's with their instructor or with, whether it's with his testing. Um, and then the, the hardest part is finding what people are kind of mediocre at and figuring out if you want to adjust it or just leave it as is, uh, depending on what part of the game it is. But he's been doing this his whole life uh, with college coaching. So we're juggling relationships with, with swing instructors all the time because um, we're getting to see the players every day and they're getting to see them you know, maybe once a month, uh, once these players go to school. So uh, I think it'll be good. I think, you know, the respect that college coaches around the country have for, for Chris and, and what his system produces uh, will be good when they eventually get their elite amateur team, when it, you know, which will be college players. Um, you know, I don't think that'll be any issue whatsoever because I think it's a huge benefit to have a player under his umbrella because they'll be inundated with the testing and with data. Um, so you'll be able to get even more feedback on kind of where their games are at and how they're improving. So uh, I think he's perfect for this. I think his, his brain is well-suited for this because he's juggled this before. Um, but I think he's got, you know, the backing of the USGA, which which is a monster deal. And like I said before, it's going to be a huge collaborative effort between him and the best brains in the business. So I, I don't know if I've ever brought this up to you, and I don't know if this is your lane in terms of music interests. But does Chris Zambri, does he look like maybe he could be Jack Johnson's brother or some sort of relative? I, every time I see ja uh, Jack Johnson, 
Chris Sam, you could put it side by side. I don't know. Maybe they're the same person. I don't know if Zambri plays. They might be kindred spirits because I know he he likes him some Jack Johnson. And he used to drive like an hour and a half to work each way uh, when he was at USC. So he had to have a lot of different musical tastes to keep him awake in that car. Um, so Jack Johnson <laughs> was one of his favorites. So maybe there is something there. You know, I I don't know if Jack Johnson music would would be the the type that would that would stimulate uh, energy and and keep someone awake. Um, but very very good. I used to listen to that a lot in high school, some fifteen years ago. Dear Lord. Um, anyways, before I let you go, real quick, you mentioned Mark Brody uh, a little bit ago. We all know the the drama that has embroiled college golf these past few months, me as a media person in the grand scheme of things, it's not affecting me day in and day out. Like it is the players and the coaches and the families and, but the Rocky spike Mark rollout. Now we've gone to clipped. Uh, we'll see what, what happens from there, but I just wanted to get your take as a coach. Um, how, how difficult these past couple of months have been, not having rankings and just the uncertainty and also the mishmash of live scoring and not being able to find stuff. And maybe you had a bunch of parents saying, all right, like, where can I find this? Is it still on golf stats? So what's been, if you could sum it up, what has it been like? Um, what is your experience with the short, but sweet spike mark era been like? Yeah, my boss actually has a, a line he says a lot, which is all coaches are control freaks. So like you said, there's been more uncertainty than ever um, as far as rankings are concerned, or at least in the recent era of college golf. So us control freaks have not enjoyed that. Um, you know, information has been coming out bit by bit, which I think has been a little frustrating for the coaches, um, either with their conference offices, NCAA, or the, even the coaches association. Um, but they're doing the best they can trying to get the information out. It, it's a very difficult situation um very frustrating again but i think with clip taking over now um i've talked with some coaches who use clip and have been with them for a long time they speak very highly of the data they provide uh, but also the resources that are behind the company um and they have the backing uh in their mind to get this out and get this produced at a high level so uh we're hoping that that's the outcome here sooner than later uh, i've said it from the beginning uh, if Mark Brody's in charge of the rankings, they're eventually going to be really good. Um, you know, he's been the best data mind in golf for a while. Um, and I, I, I do trust that those rankings are going to be good. How they look at first, I don't know. And that's a little scary um, because there are jobs on the line. Um, there's new contracts on the line. But also, if you look at the players, there's no individual player rankings. And we have NIL. That's a reality of our new world. Uh, NIL money might be based on rankings as far as who these companies are attracted to that they want to take care of. Um, and then, then when these players turn pro, these agencies and these corporations are using those rankings to figure out who they want to sponsor. So we need that data. It's coming. I mean, I heard again, I was on the phone with someone at a conference office today that said they're on track to get them out when they say they're going to be out. So we'll see. Um, but there's a lot of frustration behind the scenes. I think coaches convention in December might be a little spicier than normal, I, um, I am, which I'm will be interesting. I'm going to try to, I'm going for the first time. I bet you are. I'm going to go for the first time. I can't wait to be, I think it's, well, it's Tuesday through Thursday this year. I can't wait to be in whatever room that is on maybe sometime Wednesday, late morning, afternoon, and just sitting back 
and taking it all in because it's going to be it's going to be juicy. It's going to be really good. What? Yes, um, it is. Yes, it is. So we'll see, but hopefully it gets fixed. What? Uh, so with no individual rankings. So you're saying that I probably shouldn't say that I collaborate with Cameron uh, Jordan of golf week to do the Haskins watch list and that we're coming out with a list next week and potentially uh, I might get my phone blown up by coaches petitioning their players to be on it or coaches who are angry that their players aren't on it because there's no rankings. Maybe that's the only, maybe that's the only source for the, for these sponsors now to be able to say, Oh, they're pretty good. Like they're on the, the Onica award watch list, which uh, we'll give a sneak preview. Catherine Park is on the Onica award watch list. So very, very des- deserving. Very good. She deserves um, to be. I, I knew that she was coming on the podcast. That was the tiebreaker. She was the, no, nah, she was easily on the 20 person list for the Onica award watch list. Um, I see the, the NFL game on the TV behind you. Um, so I will let you, both of us go so we can enjoy that. I can watch the magic also maybe lose another game. They'll probably be two and three by the time people are listening to this. And that's right. Le- LeBron only has like one year, two years left, and then he's going to be washed. So enjoy it. I mean, well, not that there's really Fine been anything to I'll enjoy. enjoy well, I have it. Because the Lakers, they didn't make the playoffs last year, right? They did. Um, they lost in the playoffs, but we only well, care they, about they championship that, banners they were here. In that play-in thing, right? It's it's just banners are bust here. That's just all we count here. We don't count playoff appearances. Banners are bust. That's we got all those stars on the floor for championships. Um, that's how we measure success uh, in in the crypto.com arena. Sounds sounds like the Lakers have taken a page out of Dan Brooks's. Uh play calling sheet with the stars and the dots i i think duke should do that uh, at cameron indoor and instead of for all the national titles they just 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 have dan brooks go and and with a sharpie on the floor and just do a big dot so but anyways justin appreciate it i love it Um, i think it's a great idea and thanks for the time um gosh this is this was a a longer episode burko normally keeps keeps the train rolling along um so apologies burko will be back next week uh, sorry for anyone who doesn't like my hosting abilities. I, I will be back in a, a secondary role in a week as we wrap up the fall season. And after that, we'll take a nice little winter break and hit the ground running in the spring. We might do a uh, we might do a signing day special, and maybe if some haymakers fly at the coaching convention, um, we might have to do a breaking news pod. But. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening to College Golf Talk. We'll see you soon. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. 
Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. 